the man who shouts, get in the hole, I'd like to strangle him and all his offsprings. But apart from that, I'm very placid. He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Would somebody kindly go and stop him? Give him a large brandy and pop him down. No, this, this really is beyond a joke now. He's, he's, he's gone gaga because this is, uh, this is quite... I've never seen anything like it before, and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness. First golf shot. No, answer the question. That's terrible. This could be good. Come in. This could be good. Looks better than it is, folks. Not bad. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back once again with the Renegade Master. This is the RAC DG podcast. After a quiet week off there, we're back with episode eight. On the lead up to Christmas, I'm joined once again with the only present a man needs, Crawford Anderson. Dylan, how are you doing, Crawford? Not too bad, Gary. I'm well rested. And Rob uh, can't be with us this evening. Uh, for personal reasons, all the best to Rob wherever he is. But we're actually joined today with our guest who's now taking on the form of co-host, Mr. Joseph Smith-Walker. Joe, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, really good, thanks. And then we've got producer Mark in the background who won't say hello, but he'll give us a little wave and a confused look. Bit of housekeeping before we move on uh, to all the stuff we've got planned today. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Jamie Kenny and point you all in the direction of the Clubhouse. Uh, so the Clubhouse is our new online forum. It's a little bit like the Discord, a little bit like the WhatsApp chat with a lot of the madness um, and insanity taken out. Um, it looks a little bit like No Laying Up's Refuge, and by a little bit, I mean it's uh, basically... It's exactly the same. It looks exactly <laughs> the same thing, but it's ours. It's for the RACDG, not only for our GB and I chapter, but for all of our friends in America as well, some of whom, uh, for some reason make the attempt at listening to this and making out the accent. So how do y'all hope y'alls are doing good? Um, and that was for, for you American guys out there. But <laughs> you can check <laughs> the Clubhouse. It's at clubhouse.racdg.com. Very easy. Clubhouse.racdg.com. Com. Sign up there. We've got loads of threads. That's where a lot of our event planning is going to be next year. Um, loads of threads on things like cooking, music, food, the one and done, betting, gambling, video game, whatever, um, and some golf stuff as well. So I just say, so one of the, the last couple of years, we're very much focused on each individual chapter, kind of getting established and growing itself and getting members involved and engaged. Uh, one of the things that all of the captains and I wanted to start doing next year was to work on ways for all of the chapters to communicate with each other a bit better and for all the members, the members in the UK to be able to talk to members in Northern California uh, and for us to get a bit of shit talking going and get some matches, inter-chapter matches going. That's the next kind of focus of the group. Uh, and we've been trying to figure out ways for a while in order to, to, to facilitate that. Uh, and then... Um, the opportunity came up to do another message board um, and uh, and we thought we'd give it a go and we, we, we worked it out that it, uh, it seems to work pretty well so that's the that's the clubhouse we've launched it uh, we're hoping everybody can get involved and uh, and the good thing is that we can now talk to each other we don't just have to talk through captains Some FAQs because there have been a lot of queues Crawford what does <laughs> this mean about the WhatsApp and the Discord are they going away? Nope uh, at the minute the plan is not to change anything so it's just an extra thing that we have 
Uh, we'll review that in six months and a year. If it turns out that everybody's using the clubhouse and nobody's using Discord, then we might shut Discord down. Uh, if no one uses the clubhouse, then we'll shut that down. Um, the WhatsApp was, uh, will, I suspect, never go away. Um, the WhatsApps have, on occasion, there's been complaints that they're just too busy now, just too many people. And it's a way for us to be able to grow, particularly our chapter in the UK, without having to... Um, you know, end up with 500 people in the WhatsApp. So we can now have members in the chapter who are on the clubhouse, but not necessarily talking on the WhatsApp all the time. But there's no changes at the minute. It's all free. It will remain free. It will continue to be free. Or are you going to be a nasty man and put it behind a paywall? Uh, it'll never be behind a paywall. We will have to figure out some way of paying for it. At the minute, it's Jamie Kenny's credit card. Just have but, a whip uh, round, mate. We'll have a whip well, that's round. That's it. Well, I think what we'll probably do is if we get if we get a kind of critical mass of people on that using it, enjoying using it, then we'll do some kind of Patreon. We'll pray that every now and again, everyone bungs in 20 quid or something, $20, whenever they can, uh, and just try and pay for it that way. But it's never going to be like a paywall situation. Maybe when a lot of people were talking uh, this week about concerns and queries and whatever about uh, you know introducing an annual fee or, or an amount to pay wasn't really the time to try and launch the podcast Patreon. Uh, so we'll maybe <laughs> let that one we'll let that one sit for a couple more weeks. I'm a, I'm we'll a that one I, was, I was expecting thousands <laughs> from a Christmas bonus. I know, I know, from like all eighty-eight listeners. Um, <laughs> Clubhouse is cool yeah just sign up for it there's a bunch of good stuff on it already moving on and it's probably a good thing that we've got Joe here because I'm looking at the events coming up in the next couple of weeks over Christmas and two of them are JSW creations first of all Thursday night Joe Christmas Zoom quiz tell us about it yeah so I mean we did quite a few quizzes during the lockdown and they were quite successful to be honest um, I can't remember when we actually had to sign up for it maybe 18, 20 at one point Crawford yeah yeah it was, it was um, a few of us they were very good yeah, we have the resident spreadsheet master, John Arshad, uh, marking everyone's answers to make sure no one's cheating behind the screen. Uh, I had a few doubts at some point, but nah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Just because it, I won every time, Joe, doesn't well, mean that's that what it was. Cheating. You can sort of look down on the screen and you see Crawford there with his head down, his eyes down, not writing into a pad. I don't know, I don't know. Do you think R.I.P. Charles might make an appearance, a special Christmas I mean, appearance? He made one appearance, I think, uh, and he was lying back on his couch with his wine, resting on his belly, not, <laughs> not answering any questions. <laughs> to, to be, yeah, just being grumpy and shouting at everybody. That's, that, that's <laughs> no exaggeration either. Classic, classic Charles. But the, the, the whole kind of ethos of, the, of the, the quizzes back in lockdown was that everyone just got shit faced while doing it. Yeah. So they got a little bit more rowdy as things as time went I did on. not know that about Charles, and that makes me very, very happy. It was that's good. everybody's lasting impression of him, like a Renaissance painting just lounged back yeah. there. Lying there with his glass of wine. Baby angels flying about him and like. <laughs> <laughs> loads of white cloaks everywhere and not that type of white cloak I'm sure he wasn't into that but like white cloaks everywhere apples grapes being fed to him all that sort of stuff <laughs> what's that died out long before his message ever R.I.P. Charles I love you anyway Christmas chaos Joe what's that? So, carnage uh, Christmas carnage fucking close enough Christmas carnage <laughs> We thought there's no there's no real run up now to competitions um, to get everyone together and meet up and I, I think I spoke to a few people in the group about it um, and then floated the idea with with everyone really provisionally booked twelve tea times without even speaking to the pro at Frampton so he was mega happy with that um, and then when I told him there was forty eight of us he uh, sort of had a mini heart attack excellent um, but yeah it's a classic group I think it, we had um, forty eight people sign up within probably a couple of days pushed it pretty hard on the group and. Uh, I didn't bother with Discord and 
realizing when it comes to Discord, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a bit of fun, big Christmas scramble, Christmas jumpers, all that sort of carry on. Yeah, so we've got um, yeah, 12 teams, uh, Texas scramble, um, four drives each, um, and did a little secret Santa draw, got everyone's email address. There was some concerns with um, data protection and all that good stuff, but yeah, not really bothered about it. Um, <laughs> You're like, yeah. I'm a fucking spy, mate. I know I've read about GDPR. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, did a did an online secret Santa, and uh, you got a ten pound budget to buy a Christmas jumper. Um, there's there's no it's no holes barred basically, uh, and mine is absolutely stinking. So, RRP whoever got mine. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. Um, other couple of bits and pieces. Uh, if you're listening from the clubhouse, or uh, you've just not been on our socials, catch us on Instagram. Got an Instagram account at RACDG underscore gbi that's dead easy uh, also uh, gav has got a youtube channel up and running and i think he hit like 50 subscribers today which we were buzzing about there's a few videos up on that just now one covering the shot which was excellent like 30 minutes almost a tourist sauce kind of idea covering the event of the shot and then there's one from the cock way back in july if you don't know what the cock is that sounds really weird out of context um but there's two videos on it just now but i know gav irons is working on a load of new video content coming in the next year a lot of that's going to be on the clubhouse as well so make sure uh that you get onto that this is all brand synergy here crawford yeah i like it i'll t- t- tell you just just how brand synergy it is you mentioned that and we have the cock of the north on the podcast joe is the cock of the north he won it it's almost like we planned this, guy. I'm going to pretend I knew that. Uh, so we've got, you know, the, the biggest cock in the RACDG here and, and Joe's with us as well. Uh, so that's <laughs> really good that you're here today, Joe. Last thing, housekeeping-wise, and we'll move on to Joe, um, Glen Eagles. Uh, we've got uh, an event in Glen Eagles on the 20... Sorry, it's 24 people on the 5th or 6th of March at Glen Eagles Kings Course. 24 people, two teams of 12, the first kind of RACDG proper team event that we've got. Um, Drew the captains randomly. Uh, So it's a guy by the name of Greg Anderson, who I've had the pleasure of meeting a couple of times. And uh, Grunt is the other team captain. Um, He's my captain, the Nibblets. Captain, my captain, um, holding up your uh, half-eaten tin of beans with a coffee lid holder on it <laughs> pledging your allegiance to go yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll all have to drive it 135 yards off the tee in, in deference to our captain no everyone paid for you paid for that Gary yeah have they or there's one or two, mate. There's one or two. I'll keep an eye on it. Uh, there's one or two. Um, but Grant, last time we played the Glen Eagles Kings course, which is the course we're going to play, um, the 18th is a par five, and it's like a 580-yard par five straight downhill, and Grant took an iron off the tee because he didn't want to hit the bunkers 260 up the middle. Um, so, Grant, you took a pasting for that at the time, and I, I've got no qualms doing it again, mate. RIP you. Um, but that's going to be great. So we've got two teams set up for that. We've got the... What's your team name called again? Gra- um, Niblicks. The Niblicks versus the Eagles. I'm in the Eagles. Um, and that's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to have a lot of build-up for that, I reckon, over the next couple of months. And I think that's going to be a WGC as well. So um, Scotland taking some events for itself next year, um, which we're pretty buzzing about. But... That's the housekeeping out of the way. Oh, uh, yeah, just one thing. So <clears throat> you mentioned about the Instagram, and uh, there's obviously we now have a couple of listeners who are uh, coming in from the States. So uh, outside of the GBI chapter, most of the other chapters also have Instagram. So uh, there's RACDG underscore, there's Local, Southern California, NMSC Metro, there's NORCAL for Northern California, PNW for Pacific Northwest, 
Uh, there's, I don't know if Liberty Bell have one. I think Chicago Land have just got one. Um, the Carolinas have one. Florida has one as well. So there's a bunch of them. Once you go in and you find one, you'll start seeing they're followed by other people and you can start getting a, get a hold of all of them. But what, most of the chapters now. What I'm really impressed about Crawford is we're like 10 minutes into this and Rob's not here and it's not gone off the rails yet. I, I feel like we've really Give matured. Time, Gary. Give we've matured and grown uh, as the weeks have gone on. Go away, right? Might be OB, mate. So we're joined today, you've heard his voice already, it's Joe Smith-Walker, he's been in the flock for a long time, uh, one of the more, I say, I'd say visible and uh, famed flock members, the 2020 Cock of the North, they also, did they, Did you win the stick at... Some mm, sort yeah, of I won the stick, lowest gross at uh, Clooney. That's right, I like, yeah. I like that you had yeah. to think about that, there. it's so many victories well, under your you belt. you say that, Gary, but um, Crawford actually gave it to somebody else on the day because they uh, counted up scores wrong. <laughs> Amateurs running this place. Yeah, that's happened a few times now. But um, we're, we're it, it, everything is a work in process. Um, yeah, our progress, that. Joe. We have to uh, we have to refine our techniques as the years go by. Did the same thing happen at um, the shut as well? But we won't go into that. We're getting there. Oh, the, the problem is that that, that some of the, we, we because we're doing Stableford, some of the people um, forget that we're doing Stableford and, and to put out whenever they're going for the low gross as well. So there's a couple of mm. times when we've had to estimate what people have got when they haven't actually put yeah. it out. So it's been a bit contentious, think, but um, we'll be better at it next year. I think your bigger problem at the shop was the eventual winner hit his tee shot in the playoff hole from about a grunt seven iron off the tee. <laughs> 20 yards in front of the tee marker. Ben Lovejoy. That, that's just called doing a Lovejoy, isn't it? <laughs> it's a Lovejoy. Right, anyway, this is Meet the Flock. Rob usually does this, and he probably does it a lot better than I'm going to do it. But we're going to bounce through this. First section um, is about you. Oh, he's written a little spiel here as well. Hang on, let me do it. Be brave, be bold. There are no right answers, and if you get something wrong, Mark can cut it out. Approximately 10 minutes, 40-ish questions. Talk about the important things. You, foods, golf world, your golf. It's awfully professional. Um, We know your name. What age are you, Joe? If you want to 29. 29. Yeah. And what's your home club? Uh, Neneaton. Royal Neneaton, as some people call it. And how long have you been a member there? Uh, about nine years now. Yeah, maybe my tenth year this year. And your handicap, uh, it just says ask what the handicap index is, but I know your handicap's been a point of contention over the year. There's been a lot of uh, claims and accusations of sandbagging through the year. Do you wish to address them now that you've got a global platform? Uh, well, I think the sandbagging only really comes from John Arshad over the years of me and playing him and him not being too happy with handicap, to be honest. But I will caveat that with, uh, I played in the cock-off nine. Um, I think I had 41, 42 points maybe. So you could argue that's probably sandbagging, but I'm looking at the trophy in my house right now, so I don't really care. <laughs> um, so what, what what was your your handicap at the start of the year and what so is I was, it, uh... I was off 10 off 10 at the start of the year my ambition sort of goal for handicap wise this year was to get down to five so I could play in Huntington Open um, before Covid obviously hit um, and I got down to 4.7 I think so I got down to it and then with the world handicap system chop I, I went down to 2.9 so I'm, I'm off 2.9 at the minute Oh, welcome to the jungle, mate. I was 5 1 and came down to 2 7 as well. I, I don't know where they're like Garnage. pulling these things out of, but it's uh, it, it's not going to. I think Matt Webb said earlier on this evening, us low handicappers have just got to resign ourselves to the fact that there's going to be a lot of uh, higher handicappers winning a lot of competitions next year, but we just try and find our feet a little bit. Um, but that's part of the fun. 
What's in the bag, Joe? Are you a club junkie? Uh, are you a tinkerer? Are you a changer? Or are you loyal? Or are you like, are you like Grant? Have you got two sets for no discernible reason? Tell us all about it. <laughs> Not at all. I'm, I'm pretty pikeish, to be honest. Um, so I've got an old um, second-hand set of ping eyes, I think. Got, brought them off a pro at the minute and um, just knew that he had them and they're probably good. So I was like, yeah, they'll probably be all right. Um, didn't try them. I think paid 200 quid for them. Um, I like my wedges, to be quite honest. I've got a... I've got the bag at the minute, 62 with four degree balance. Uh, so it cuts through, cuts through butter, lovely, um, which is not ideal for the winter. Um, got 58, 56, uh, 52 and a pitching wedge. So I've got carry about five wedges. Um, when you hit the ball so far, you need to have a lot of wedges. Do you carry all? F- yeah, carry, carry all of them. Um, I, I only go up to, I've got four, all the way up to a four iron, uh, five wooden driver. That's it. Happy days. Now, flockwise, how did you get here? What was your link, your entry into the flock? Who did you know? How did you how did you end up in this weird little corner of the world? Yeah, well, so John Arshad's obviously he was my in, um, known him for a long, long time. Um, and he kept going on about this group that he was playing golf with. I think he first went down to the, the ship maybe last year. Yeah, end of November, I'll begin in November last year. And he he John joined on like the Monday or Tuesday. That's right. And, yeah. by, and by Saturday, he was sharing a room with me in Kent. Yeah, no was wonder he's so fucking grumpy all the time. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? Think about it. No, he, he actually joined like on the Thursday and the next day. The next day. In the car driving yeah, around. Was, his, yeah. The next day, he drove, um, did the four hour trip down to Prince's, I think it was. But yeah, he, yeah. he was in pretty much. Um, uh, I joined probably just before lockdown, maybe about January. So it's probably nearly 12 months now I've sort of been in. And how many flock appearances have you made? And like, are major? You've beat. You've obviously you've won one major. You've won the stick and another one. So you've been uh, a pretty uh, common occurrence at the big events this year. Yeah. So I, the, I think the cock was the first big one that I went to. Um, I met quite a few of the boys at the Berkshire. Did a thirty-six holder just before um, before lockdown. Actually, I think it was maybe a week before we went into it. Um, and then I've just like over the well, probably over the twelve months now, I met up with. A lot of people. <laughs> I've, done, I've gone around the around the houses, but yeah, the, the cut was a major one. And then um, I think I played in the Cluna, and that's it. I didn't manage to get down to Shell's way working. Joe, what do you enjoy most about being in the group apart from the cock puns? Yeah, probably getting around playing playing different courses. Um, and I think over this past twelve months, I've, I've played countless amounts, but I've managed to get to courses I'd never ever get to play. Uh, and, and obviously meeting people that I probably would never meet, to be honest. And uh, apart from yourself, out of all those people that you've played with and been around with, who's the best golfer? Best golfer? Um, I think it's already been covered. It's probably Ash from Swindley. Very, very good golfer. Yeah. Probably just gets bored a lot of golf by being a greenkeeper all the time. But Jack Foreman also, very, very good. Really capable. Jack hits it a long way as well. Yeah. There's a couple of sticks out there. Jack iPhone. So, (laughs) Jack iPhone, that's all that's all I Maz, and that's all I ever want to know, Maz. Um, now, Joe, um, I don't know how much we can or can't talk about your job here. Um, I know it's a super secret spy uh, with the government sort of job. All I want to say at this point, if you can tell your bosses, whoever they are, that I'm not involved with the Russians. I thought that website was for something completely different. <laughs> um, they got my email address. I, I don't know what's going on now, but I'm not involved uh, with the Russians in any way, uh, shape or form. Uh, Yakshamash. Um, but <laughs> other than that, 
I don't really know how much you can say about what you do or what you don't do. So we're going to make the uh, next logical jump now and ask you what your favourite biscuit is. Favourite biscuit is hobnob. Excellent. Chocolate hobnob, hobnob or plain hobnob, it's important. Probably chocolate. It's the, um, the chocolate hobnob's the, uh, the raw marine of the biscuit world. Absolutely <laughs> nails. <laughs> and uh, microwave bacon, yes or no? Don't mind. Love bacon. You would eat microwave, so you don't mind microwave bacon? That's a, no, that's a not controversial answer there. Man, man's been out in Afghanistan, he'll eat any old shit now. Yeah. Um, beans, Heinz, Branston or other? I don't care. I'll eat any. Just beans? Just eat anything? That, that, this, man, this man's been through it beans all. Beans out of a ration pack. Once you've tried them, you'll eat any beans, Gary. <laughs> Have you got PTSD, you mate? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, are beans an acceptable part of a full English? They are the ultimate part of it, full English. I don't know why he's put that question in here. Yes. Every person that we've asked is be like, it's a fucking integral part yeah. of it. What do you if you've got toast, what do you mop up your uh, what do you mop up with your toast? Yeah, I know, but you need to you need those uh, bean juices, mate. You need the bean juice. Um Greg's winner or sinner? Uh, winner. And what is your choice of goods from Greg's? Have your absolute go-to every time and it's a cheese and onion bake and a steak bake. Cheese and onion bake, we've not had that one before. Um, I've had a few of them, Crawford. You, you've only been to Greg's once, haven't you? Um, yeah. I would recommend a wee cheese and onion bake. See, mm. wee festive bake, time of year. Wee festive bake, bit of turkey, cranberry stuffing and gravy, all in one little casing of uh, fluffy goodness. Cranberry, cranberry has no valid place in a, in a, in a savoury meal. I don't yeah, know you say that, but you've never, had, you've never had a festive bake. Have you had the uh, vegan sausage roll yet? Very nice. Don't mind it. Don't mind it at yeah, all. Absolutely really fine. A little less greasy, a little less sausagey, but um, no, it's good. Absolutely fine. Um, best crisps in the world. Oh, this is this is hard. I'm going to go. Are you a crisp man? Paprika Walkers. Paprika what? Paprika really? Walkers. Yeah, oh, straight out, uh, straight out even, of the field. Didn't even know that existed. We'll have to try those out. Very good. And how many packs in one sitting of crisps is acceptable? I'm not even joking. Now I, I could eat. 20, 25 packs, easy. Um, that's that's straight up telling the truth. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> in fact, I've just bought a pack of pork scratchings. Might get them downrange. Pork scratchings are an incredibly underrated snack food. I, I really enjoy a wee pork scratching. Um, speaking of pork, golf questions. Um, it's not speaking of pork at all. It's nothing to do with pork. Tiger or Jack? Tiger. Finch or Shields? Uh, Finch. Favourite major and why? Probably the Masters, to be honest. Uh, just the whole hype and build-up. Bryson, turn on or turn off? Uh, turn on. Why? I just think fair play to him. He's, he's booked up, he's put the work in. Why would you punish a guy that's uh, put all of that effort in? Always tends to be guys like me and you, Joe. The real low, uh, long hitters of the world out there. Uh, the real muscle men here. The appreciation. The guys, the guys that put the work in at the gym, uh, mm-hmm. you know. The thing is, what I don't get about people moaning about him as well is he's such a good putter. Like, he puts so well. And well, that, did you see that stat? There was a stat yeah, that came that's yesterday. Nuts. Like he'd made 91% of putts inside 10 feet. So yeah. that, that's what wins it. Hitting the ball gives you a higher ground, a yeah. higher level to start off with. But you only win things if you putt well. And, and that, yeah. that's all it is, and he putts well. Uh, but oh, I don't know, hashtag roll back the ball, whatever. Um, your golf, let's talk about your golf a little bit now. Yeah. Um, have you ever had any involvement in golf out with playing uh, playing competitions any ever worked in golf or anything like that no no only started playing probably well since John Denison so 10 years played a lot of cricket though 
yeah, I was going to say, Joe, you've played a lot of cricket, don't you? So yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, what's the, what's the background there, and why have you, are you have you given that up to start focusing on golf now? Uh, to, to be honest, with you, I'm probably a bit of a sports player. I play a lot of anything that's got a, a racket or a ball or involves playing. I think I'm there or thereabouts. But um, yeah, cricket and golf they don't really go hand in hand, unfortunately. And I think you witnessed that Crawford when we went down to um, where yeah. the, uh, the Addington played Mark yeah. Brooks in that, um, match play pair uh, individuals. And I'm not even joking, Gary. I must have had 25 shanks, like at least, at least. Uh, but you, you, you played a cricket match the day before, or something? Didn't I, you? I netted the back. day before, and I was in the nets for a good hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. And all I was practicing was sort of back foot drives. So everything was just puzzle shank. Even on the first, the first hole of par three, I had into, and I thought, yeah, we'll step up here. I'd just been to the range, and I was shanking. And I was like, this is going in the trees. But I reckon like it's quite boring if you just shank it once. Like either don't shank it at all, or you go yeah. full on hosel rockets all day. Yeah. <laughs> only way to do it properly. Um, so you've only been playing golf for ten years. Bit of a cricket guy. You're one of these pricks that I hate. Then that's just generally good at every sport that he picks up. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just modesty. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite club in your bag and why? Uh, it's it's probably my driver. Um, Mainly, when, if it's going all right, it's it's going well. Uh, it's yeah, it hits it fairly long. Well, not not the longest, but it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a weapon. I seen you post some numbers in the group the other day. You were getting two sixty five, two seventy carry, two uh, sixty right in the two. Sorry, right in the one sixties ball speed as well. Um, good numbers. It reminds me of my warm up when I'm at the range as well. But I mean, it's good for for somebody like you. That's really good. Well done, mate. Um, <laughs> You've got to remember, Gary. I've seen you at the range. I know. Fuck. So how far did you hit your driver then? Um, I mean, we, me and John played today. I don't cover it now. We um, beat some old geezers, seven and five RRP team. <laughs> Did you? I didn't yeah, know what the I mean, score was. We, we've entered the um, Mizuno match players uh, competition. So I think you've got to play four rounds um, regionally and then you maybe get into like Royal St. George or um, Turnbury, I think it was last year. But uh, yeah, bless them. They were driving at 190 yards and I drove the green. I think it was 295, 295 <laughs> yards carry. Have the over 70s not suffered enough this year, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're destroying win. their golf dreams. Yeah. John's dry, John's dry banter is uh, killing them even more, I think. <laughs> but seriously, if you if you can only drive the ball 195 yards, why are you joining them, uh, signing up yeah. to the Mizuno Pairs? That's just, you're a glutton for punishment there. I don't know. It's maybe the, the thought of free golf for some old boys. I don't know. Did they enjoy their day at least? They loved it. He's, to be fair, he said to me then, he said it was a a real honour to play with us. So, <laughs> nice, nice little pick-me-up. A real honour. Yeah. I, I don't even get this far in my dreams, mate. It's just it's really <laughs> nice to be out with players of this calibre. Um, yeah. We've kind of covered this then, so it was going to be your strengths on the golf course, but I think it is going to be your driving. What's your weaknesses? What are you shit at? Probably choosing the wrong shots, to be honest. Um, going for a 295-yard driver uh, when you should probably lay up, definitely. Yeah, strike me as a little bit of a no laying up Neil sort of character out there, bombing at miles, but course management can maybe yeah. uh, take a bit of a, an improvement. It's good to play, and to keep talking about him, it's a good player with John, he's an absolute stat- statistician, uh, and he plots his way around, and he gets you to plot his way around too. But like, right, people will probably score better scores doing that, but I'm much like yourself, Joe, I prefer not knowing what's going to happen. Yes. No, I, I don't even know what shot I'm going to choose next and stuff. <laughs> the, like, That's why you like playing with me, 
scary. Exactly. Isn't it? It, Not it, knowing it, what's going to happen from one shot golf, to the next. The more predictable golf is, the more boring it is. Like when me and you stand up to a ball, Crawford, we don't know whether it's going three hundred straight or thirty diagonal. Like <laughs> that's what keeps saying. If I was plonking it two twenty up the middle of the fairway all the time, I'd probably get bored. But you, you need to have that little bit of variety and that little bit of uh, mystery and danger in your golf. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what's your lowest score? Lowest score? About yeah. 60, 67 and 18. That's, that's my lowest. Is that a um, under now? It's 71, four under. Four under. Um, that's good shooting. Good ten, hand, 10 handicap at the start of the year, Crawford. No. Um, I, had a, I had a pretty good knock in. Um, I don't know if we're going to cover it later, the sort of the mysteries of where I played around the world, but um, I had a, had a really good knock in, knock in a par, uh, 9-0 short course, but there was a par five that was, I think it was something like 320 yards. So I was just short of the green and uh, chipped up and put it in for ego. <laughs> I played a course called Val de Lobo in uh, Portugal last yeah. November. Really, really nice course. And we rocked up to the first hole and I'd went out. My dad's got a bad back, so he doesn't play, but he was coming around with us. I was feeling good about my game. And we stepped onto the first team. It was a par five and it was only 380 yards. And I was so thinking... Right, right of the clubhouse? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was thinking, fuck yeah, like here we go. I'm going to, and it, it was three old guys I was playing with, and they just like plonked it like 180 up the fairway. And I've boomed a drive down the middle, and it was like, oh, here's the big hitter here. And I'm like, I'm going to get right in about this round. And anyway, I walked off the first hole with a seven, and two of the old men made birdies, and the other one made a par on a 380 par five. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a like, hey, it's a good hole, but it's like yeah. 380 yard par five, and I'm straight Why? back in my There box. must be a reason for that. Why is it for you? It's like dead. trouble. Any longer the green, you you're dead. It's yeah, like the green's quite raised, so go for an in two. It's you miss the green, that's it. Game and over. that's exactly what I did. Yeah. <laughs> lost the ball through the back because it just goes into all the kind of sandy overgrow. Uh, lost the ball, chipped on three jabs. Wisp, wispy like um. But uh, that's uh, roll back the ball because um, <laughs> the 380 yard par fives are still destroying me. Um, what is your golf aims for the next year? Um, I want to get to plus figures. I think that's um, that's all I've got. Balls out the bathwater for that bad boy. Um, is eighteen holes too many for a round of golf, or is fourteen more acceptable? Shout out Sean Arbo. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just can't understand Sean's theory on this. To be quite honest, so I think I'd, I'd play fifty-four holes in a day if, if the sunlight allowed me. I'd Have you ever met a complicated bench? Um, no, I can't say I've come across one to be honest. That's another Sean Arbo classic. <laughs> if you could only play one course for the rest of your life, where would you play? Probably Royal Porthcawl, I'd say. And that is the venue for the shut 2021. So I'm guessing yeah. you'll be heading down there full of beans and wanting to win that bad boy. Yeah, I will. I noticed on your uh, on the clubhouse, Joe, you, you said your goals for 2021 and, was to win uh, every major win every yeah win every every RICD I just won a Grand Slam who's this prick I was reading that like who the fuck's this prick Grand I was going to win every event <laughs> after Pete it was after Pete Chapman put his uh, defending his clooner I think or or winning another major yeah. like that I'm going to better you there but see I, I, I believe Pete saying that the Heathlander like the Midas touch everything he goes near turns to a victory so I'll believe that yeah. Well, he's yeah. he's the first he's the first two time victory yeah. in the season that he this year as he won the uh, Kaluna and he won uh, the Children Classic as well. Yeah, that's right. He, he hits it really nice. To be fair to him, he's he's another like John put a good comment in the group the other day, and it's hard for me to sort of um, comment on this poacher turned gamekeeper. But he uh, he shouldn't be playing off ten. That's ridiculous. 
<laughs> Best piece of advice you've ever had in golf? Probably I listened to um, Bob Rotella's uh, putting is not a game of coincidence. Uh, and there's some really good stuff in there. I, I'm not never struggled putting, but there's there's some just really good advice or audio book last an hour and a half. I'd recommend it to anybody. But I think that the main thing was if you looking at the hole and you look back to your ball when you're just about to put and you, you take more than one or two seconds to pull the trigger, then you you basically need to walk away from your put because what are you thinking about over the ball if you're taking that long to pull the trigger? So you should look at the hole, look back at the ball and whack, you're in. I like it. No, I like that advice. Uh, Trying to do that myself. The more you stand and think over it, the more uh, bad things come into your head and the more wrong the shot can go. So every time I see anybody playing golf, whether it's driving or irons or chipping or particularly putting, when you see like a pro and he's like taking ages and ages and ages, I'm looking and I'm thinking, you're fucked, mate. Like you cannot hit that ball. (laughs) The only reason that you're standing looking at that is because you're too scared to hit it. And you're not going to hit it well because... Yeah, as I was going to say, that yeah, speed exactly. standing on a driving range for about 45 seconds and he just can't pull the trigger on the ball. Yeah. Um, okay, that was easy enough. Final question for your meet the flock, Joe. Uh, and it's probably the most important one of them all. The office, UK or US? Never seen the US, so UK. I just, a lot of people, a lot of people demean the US office that have never watched it before. I'm not saying you do, Joe. I'm not, I'm not trying to start a fight here. But there's been a lot of people that say the UK office is better and haven't watched the US. Um, I would implore everybody to just put aside a solid 70 or 80 hours of their life over the next couple of weeks and sit down and watch the US office. And you can appreciate both. You know, I love both. The UK office is the finest comedy ever made. The US office is the funniest long-running comedy that I've ever watched. It can be two different things. You can love two women at the same time. You can love both offices uh, for different reasons at the same time. I'd rather be branded fucking coronavirus Gary than losing Gary. I know we kind of uh, went over it quickly, um, uh, Joe, but um, so you're in the Army or you're in the Royal Marines um, uh, and you're an active military serviceman in the UK at the minute, so you can't talk an awful lot about you know, what it is that you do. Um, but like, what age were you when, you when you signed up? How did that go about? And what can you tell us about, about your job and what you've done the last few years? Yeah, so, I mean, I went... I wanted to be a physics teacher, of all things. So uh, shout really? out to all the physics teachers, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I went to college for for 12 months. Got four U's, so uh, no problem. Um, resat my July exams. Did a little bit better, but not great. Uh, and I tried to tried to put my, um, tried to redo my first year. And they basically said to me, it was a, it's, college was pretty good. Uh, they were like, nah, we're not having you. You're a bit of a scumbag. Uh, you, you're going to basically do your first year and your second year, so you've got double whammy. And I was like, well, I'm not clever enough to do the first year, let alone the second year in one So, um, yeah, where else am I going to look? Uh, and I remember speaking to my friend's dad about joining the military. And uh, I was going to join the Fusiliers, actually, because I think Fusiliers are quite a local regiment in Nuneaton. And he was like, oh, well, what about the Royal Marines? And I was like, I've never heard of them. So uh, <laughs> I did, did a little bit of research. And uh, at the time, it was there was a program called Commando School. Oh, not Commando School, sorry. Um, that's a recent one. Commando on the Front Line. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It is well worth a watch, to be honest. It was a bit more old school Royal Marines opposed to sort of like the stuff you've seen on the, the TV recently. Um, so I did a little bit of looking into them, went the next day to the Armed Forces Careers Office. So I was, I was 16 at the time. Uh, and yeah, um, this massive, massive Royal Marine came up to me. He was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to join the Royal Marines. And he was like, right, take your hat off. And I had a baseball hat and took my hat off. 
And he was like, can you do any pull-ups? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, come here. He took me, took me into the back. thought I was going to have to suck him off, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the second interview. Was, was, was he such a big dude that if he'd asked, would you have been like, I can't say no, I'm going to get him. I think I'm <laughs> That was the first time he asked the question, are you here for the cock? The second time was <laughs> in July um, this year. Yeah, so I went out the back and uh, he made me do six pull-ups and he was like, right, that's it. Um, what do you want to know? And I asked him all the questions uh, and then I think, so this was in maybe late August um, and I did my, it's called a PRMC, Pre-Royal Marines uh, Commando Course and um, or assessment and you go down to Limston in extra three days and you basically get put through your paces a little bit. Back then it was it was a little bit tougher, I suppose, than it is now. Not that it's not this easy, but I think they're, they're governed by rules and can't just thrash someone to their eyes bleed for no reason. Um, it's got to constructively beat people up now, I suppose. <laughs> um, there has to be a valid reason to beat yeah, people exactly, up. Yeah. It has to be like when they give you a compliment sandwich and like uh, job interviews and stuff, and it's like, <laughs> I think you're doing really well, like kicking the balls, keep at it, slugger sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so went down there, did all right, and then joined up in the March, March 2009 it was. So went through in basic training, um, I think there was 60 of us started, 12 of us finished. Um, yeah, and then went off to I Scotland. Mean, I mean, for people who, who don't know much about the military, essentially there's there's like four services, the Air Force, the Navy, the Army, and the Marines. They're kind of separate separate part of the military, particularly in America. But um, but the, the whole purpose of the Marines, it's an expeditionary force. It's basically you're employed to be the vanguard of the British Army. We, you, we, we want to send anybody abroad to go and punch someone in the face. It's the Marines that we send. Um, the army is the people you send in afterwards, you know. So yeah, you, I mean, see when you say sixty started and only twelve finished, like how many of them did you kill? <laughs> Just the ones called Gary. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely fair. Um, no, I mean, yeah, you, you're pretty much right, Crawford. Other than the, the Royal Marines is part of the Royal Navy, so um, the motto is "Premier Per Terram." So by sea, by land, the is we're like the, the foot soldiers of the Royal Navy, if that makes sense. And I'd say you've got. They always call it the big three. You've got the Royal Marines, the Parachute Regiment, and the RF Regiment. The RF Regiment are pretty much discarded because they're, they're pretty crap. Um, <laughs> the RF Regiment was listening in. Um, and the, the Paras, awesome bunch of guys, really, really good. Um, like really good at their craft. Um, and then the Royal Marines. And I suppose the trouble with the Royal Marines is so many different specialisations within the Royal Marines. Um, you've got, you can have a chef or, I don't know, a mortarman, a, a sniper, uh, whereas the Paras are solely shooters basically if that makes sense so joe i know there's only certain things you'll be able to talk about and not talk about but you know this is a this is a pretty high level podcast we're on here um and the people want to know what's like the most scandalous or the most like depraved thing you've ever been a part of or seen out in the war zones um i mean well it's tricky to say really i shouldn't really talk about it but beans is you guys are pretty special to my heart um I did this one this one job once. Um, it was it was classified as top secret, um, and we basically went. <laughs> then when I was finished using the Vaseline, <laughs> we ran out of cream crackers, so we had to find something else. <laughs> so that was pretty much it. Um, no, that was good. That was pretty scandalous. Uh, I hope that doesn't find its way into the newspapers at any point because that could be a real career ender there, Joe. Um, 
Okay, Joe, so before we get into your fault five, um, why don't you tell us, because I know that on your travels around the world, you've taken your clubs with you, you've played some golf at some interesting places, so where have you played golf that other people would not normally have played? Well, for um, that was the most professional thing you've ever said in this <laughs> podcast, by the way. I just want to give you the shout out for that. <laughs> it, it, it sometimes happens, Gary. Sometimes <laughs> right, happens. Sorry, Joe, crack on. No, so yeah, so, and the Royal Marines is, it's been, I've been really fortunate. I've traveled like everywhere around the world, um, managed to play multiple, multiple times in sort of America, uh, over Europe, Spain, um, Canada, I've played. But yeah, I've, I've played some pretty random places. Um, so do, you just very, take, do you take your clubs with you when you go yeah, away somewhere I mean, or you just you borrow some? No, no, I take my own pretty much everywhere. I fell, fell foul of it a few years ago. I didn't take them. Um, and I kind of wish Do you keep them. them when you're on the boat? So you just stick them in the missile hold or something like that? Yeah, just, like, <laughs> <launch the bag? laughs> yeah, just in the torpedo holder, no problem. <laughs> sometimes they fire my uh, five iron up. <laughs> Where's um, the most like mental place you've ever played that nobody else will have played? I think probably Afghanistan, to be honest. Um, didn't didn't actually play a, a golf course, obviously, because uh, I didn't want to get killed. But um, we we were in sort of a little fob. There was there was a grassy area. It's a big football pitch, and we used to play football against the locals. When we used to go, the weather was weather was pretty bad. And believe it or not, we used to have sort of five, six, seven foot of snow, and we were quite sort of high up. Um, but I wrote off to a company called Bunkers in Baghdad, and if they ever listen to this, massive shout out. Um, they wanted a they wanted a photo of us at the time, but. We couldn't really take a picture uh, where we were, so we, we never sort of got back to them, which is a bit of a shame, probably on my part. But they they sent me out um, a whole set of clubs, basically, uh, and they sent me 200 golf balls, 200 Callaway golf balls, and they were painted in glitter. And the theory was that the glitter would reflect off the, the sun. Sun would hit them, the glitter would reflect, and you'd be able to see them in the sand. Um, but little did they know I wasn't hitting balls into the sand, so I just got these glitter, glitter golf balls for <laughs> no reason. But... Um, it does work surprisingly. Um, you went to uh, you went to Afghanistan and you came back with glittery balls, yeah. <laughs> um, along with all the cocks. <laughs> um, but no, so they they sent the so they sent the clubs out, and um, to this day I've still got. Um, they sent me a forty eight degree Vokey wedge, um, and I've, I've still got it in my garage. It was pretty much brand new. Uh, I left all the other clubs out there for everyone else sort of filtering through. Left all the balls and that, but brought, brought the wedge back with me. <laughs> That's was that so you just, you just you create you like invented your own course there you just yes yeah, so we, we made a little nine hole course yeah no we made, made a little nine hole course uh, chipped around it it wasn't the football pitch wasn't very big it was probably half the size of a eleven side football pitch so we probably had about one hundred and eighty yards to um to deal with uh, we had a pretty top range uh, laser rangefinder that wasn't used for golf obviously it was used for other things <laughs> standing there with an AK-47 with a laser going like yeah you've got about 65 to the flag um, but where we where we were it was about 8,000 feet above sea level so the air was really thin and um, obviously oh, I you hit it miles then you were hitting miles but it was really hard to shape the ball um, and I, I'm not saying I'm a massive shape of the ball but I sort of I used it to, if I could shake the ball in, out there at 8,000 feet, I knew if I got back to the UK, I'd be absolutely bending bullets. What was the dress code like out there? Um, you have to get the collars on and the, the socks up over the knees and stuff? Yeah, you, you just, um, you were allowed to wear hoodies out there, actually. <laughs> They're standing there in the full, like the yeah. full headdress and everything like that, but no, no Adidas hoodies. <laughs> nah, it, was, it, it, was, it was fine. That's insane, though. Uh, so you probably are and will forever be uh, the only person that comes in this podcast that's played golf in Afghanistan. So uh, that's uh, another trophy that will never come into question due to your dodgy handicap, um, unlike obviously the Kaluna and the Cock of the North. 
Let's move on to your flock five then, uh, your top five courses. Don't know how we're going to beat Afghanistan, but uh, start us off. What's number five? So number five is Victoria, uh, Portugal. And why? Uh, just, I, I just think it's a pretty special place. Um, we played there just before um, the European Tour played there in the Portuguese Open. So it might have been 2016 perhaps. Um, yeah, Villa Moura, isn't it? Just outside Villa Moura, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, so we go to Portugal quite a bit, um, stay in the marina and then go out and travel around playing golf. So I've been quite fortunate playing quite a few of the Villamora courses, um, like the old old course, uh, Faldo, things like that, um, Faldo Lobo. But yeah, it's, um, so we played it just before Sully won his um, Portuguese Masters there, actually. Is that known womaniser Andy Sullivan that they <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because... <laughs> is... Obviously, I don't know him really, really well, but... Rumours and innuendo... They, they say that about me as well. They say, oh, known womanizer, Gary Hen, known womanizer. I say, come on, guy, that's that's all <laughs> behind me now. Well-known womanizer and man about town. <laughs> anyway, sorry, crack on. Andy Sullivan, Portuguese yeah. Masters. So he, he he won the Portuguese Masters there and um, we the, all the rough was out of bounds. So if you went into the rough, you had to pull the ball out and put it back into the fairway because they were growing the rough for the, master, the Portuguese Masters. Um, obviously, I went into the rough multiple times. But I went in there with my ball, dropped the ball in the rough and tried to hit it out. And it must have went, I don't know, two foot. <laughs> it was impossible. So I've got the utmost respect for the guys who, who sort of planned the tour. And we need to introduce that over here, Crawford. The rough is all being. You need to bring it back into the fairway. <laughs> God, you know what? I'd be a plus <laughs> handicap if I was the case. That's the way to do it, I know. Okay, what's number four? Uh, number four, Carnoustie. Um, I was quite fortunate. Living, I lived in Arbroath for a year when I went to Scotland. Um, so Carnoustie was stone throw away so I managed to managed to get out of there quite a few times um, but it was when I wasn't really playing golf so it's hard to hard to look back having basically being crap playing around Carnoustie um, but it's it's just a pretty special place um, we go to Barry Budden quite a lot there's a, there's a range up there um, and that whole sort of real estate is uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good I don't know if you, I'm sure you've played it Gary do you know what I've not? It's one of the it's one of the only championship courses up here that I've not managed to get anywhere near. Um, I hopefully I've got it in my twenty twenty one list to to knock off there and Royal Troon. But um, obviously, like guys that I know that I have played that speak super super highly of it, and uh, obviously it's well known as like probably the toughest uh, challenge on the the Open Road in Scotland for sure. Anyway. And if you're yeah, not playing I mean, a lot of golf, <laughs> if you're getting to that, then I can imagine you got ejected pretty hard. Oh uh, yeah, I can't even I can't even remember it to be honest. I just uh, it's just up there. One probably because of how many opens it so just did. But I was living up there at the time. It was it was so easy to get to. A lot of I think a lot of my top fives, other than probably Carnoustie, are, are experience based. As in, yeah, I've had like. I've just had a really good day. But I think that's, that's been the kind of same with, with Crawford, with myself, Matt Wabe and yeah. Jamie as well. It's yeah. it's not just the course, it's the whole, it's everything that's tied up with the course. Uh, so that being said, moving on, what's your number three? Uh, number three is, probably not many people might not have heard of it, but it's it's Alpine in Bangkok. Um, again, oh, that is, that is a curveball there. There that's you a, go, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Talk to us about that. I've, I've never heard about it. That's a uh, deep but Tell us about it. So it's... If I remember rightly, drive we've got a taxi there. It's, it's probably about it's probably about an hour and a half north of Bangkok. 
Um, that's not the place that has all the the, the, the the replica holes, is it? No, I don't think so. It's it's there's so much water on the course. I mean, for those those listening uh, after or, or whenever, have a, have a look at have a look at the course map. It's ridiculous. Crawford, um, when you say replica holes in Bangkok. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, you pick up on this. We've all, we've all seen those. <laughs> <laughs> um, Usually with ping pong balls. I go on about experiences for, for golf, but we, um, and this sort of ties back into the most random places I played, but we, um, I went out to Brunei quite a lot. Uh, and I, I was fortunate enough to play the, the Sultan's course in Brunei. Uh, Sultan was obviously quite a good, uh, had a good relationship with the UK. Well, still has really. Um, and he owns a course called the Empire. Um so I was fortunate enough to sort of travel around from Brunei. I went up to Bali, went to Bangkok, uh, did Kuala Lumpur, um, and obviously took my clubs. Uh, that was probably the main reason why I took my clubs around places because it was seven. It was seven dollars to hire one club in uh, in this Empire Hotel. So when you're there and you, uh, every every night, say hiring seven dollars to hire a club is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but so I took my clubs and we bounced to Bangkok with my friend, uh, and the whole experience of the trip. Um, pretty awesome. And yeah, and did you have? Um, let, let, we uh, we can have a private conversation about that. Um, did you? This did you have like, getting hammered again, man? Yeah, <laughs> I, I've played golf in in, uh, in Thailand as well, and uh, you normally get a caddy that comes with it, and the caddy is like yeah. a girl that would look like a woman. Did you get with that whole yeah, deal? So, we, and... so it's a funny story actually because we had the lady who caddied for me was quite she was quite old, like she looked old anyway. Yeah, most of them are like I've never had yeah. a, like a young girl. It's always been like a girl in her fifties or something. She, she was just yeah, she she was just a small old lady. She was really sweet. Um, and we stood on the first tee and I hit driver. And I remember so they they drove the two the one buggy uh, with our clubs on, and then me and my friend were in the other buggy uh, driving along, not caring the world. Um, my friend actually was wearing a white top, uh, and it was so hot. It must have been I can't even remember how hot it was. It was ridiculous. I'm pretty yeah. sure. It was, yeah, it was. 40 degrees, I reckon. Um, you, you, can't, you can't quite explain to people what it's like playing golf nah. in, in Thailand unless you've done it with the nah. humidity. It's not just the heat, but humidity so high. And even playing, eight, yeah, playing 18, even in a buggy, you're yeah. absolutely physically exhausted by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Um, and I hit, so I hit my drive off the tee and she's looking around, maybe like 2.30, 2.40, uh, down, just down the left. And I'm like, it's not going to be here. And she's like, it is, it is, this is where everyone hits it. And I'm like, nah, like, I hit it further than that. And then I had a fucking up. miles. Are you fucking miles? And uh, I'll never forget that we got, it was probably uh, two, 290, 300 yards, got up there. Um, and she was just looked at me and she said to me in her Thai accent, you're so long. <laughs> love you long time yeah and honestly it was just such a good game. this is this is going to be hard to beat for a flock five so we've had a broth in Afghanistan you know one place broken down a shell of its former self almost a third world country the locals are illiterate in Afghanistan as well <laughs> what about number two on your list I, I saw that coming Gary but it's still I know great. sorry that was that was a telegraph <laughs> one but I had to squeeze that in there what's your number two Joe I've got I'm, a, I'm one of those mate I've got a joint I've got a joint second unfortunately so I've actually got top six um, that's fine I did the same go for it second is Rob Rothko 
So join second Royal Porthcoal. Well, look, if we're thinking Royal Porthcoal, it is the one of the venues for the shut this year. A lot of us don't know a lot about it. So why don't you give us a little bit of a preview of what can, of course, it's like and why you love it so much? So I'm pretty sure it's not hosted any major tournaments just because of the length. I don't think it's long enough. Yeah, um, it hosts uh, the ladies and the seniors, senior yeah. open, but it's never done the male open. But we, I played there maybe seven or eight years ago with John, um, first time. We got uh, similar to what you mentioned earlier about Glen Eagles, mate. With the deals you get, it's two hundred and sixty quid, I think, in the in the winter. So well, I think it's two sixty. It's sixty five quid each. We we worked ours. Um, played there, got absolutely beaten up again seven or eight years ago. We were both pretty high handicapped. Um, but then we went back a couple of weeks ago with there was myself, uh, Jacko. I don't know if anyone really sort of sees Jacko because he doesn't hang around the main group, but he's in a couple of the inceptions. Um, and Jack Foreman. Uh, and I'm not joking, I've never been so wet in my life. It hammered it down. Um, but yeah, so the I think just the whole setup, the it's it's really old school. You've got to, I think after a certain time, maybe eight o'clock at night, you've got to wear a jacket and tie in the clubhouse. The clubhouse is separate from the pro shop. The driving range is unbelievable. It's typical sort of you can you can imagine it would host a senior open and a ladies, like a ladies open, just because of the length of it, the chipping green, the putting green but it's miles away from the course. Like we, we made a mistake of walking up there uh, and it's just it's just really far away. We walked back anyway, but the first, for context, the first hole, um, par four, uh, bunkers all down the left, bunkers all down the right, prevailing wind always sort of um, fires off the sea um, and you've just basically got pretty much no chance of finding the fairway. Uh, did that on the, when we played the other day, I found the fairway, I was absolutely buzzing. I think I had 30, 40 yards in for a chip, duffed it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah it's just a special course I think you, you can see the sea pretty much at, on every hole uh, there's a couple couple of holes where you can't but the, the most memorable thing about Port Hall I think is the, uh, is the par threes are unbelievable really really well just lovely there's one really narrow green bunkers all around it uh, it's only 110 120 yards but because it plays straight back towards the sea it's always into wind um, so you, you end up hitting like 8 iron 7 iron something stupid but yeah, it's unbelievable, yeah. course. Excellent. You're looking forward to the uh, the shut back around there next year. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's such it's so worth the drive. Put a lot of but pressure you think, you think on yourself be... to win it, though, haven't you? Put yeah. a lot of pressure on yourself early. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you think that, that that course is going to be total carnage that day? Like a lot of people are just going to be really struggling coming in with low scores. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely. Yeah, it's such a brute. And have you managed, have you played there before, Crawford? No, I haven't. No, nah, there's some some Never of, played golf in Wales. Some of the holes are. Uh, like long, long par fours into end, ridiculous. Like you, yeah, it's a tough track. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my number two. Well, joint second. Looking forward. Well, joint number two. So looking forward to uh, the shot. You've really sold that to me there, as you'll get soaking and beaten up. So I'm, I'm buzzing for October. Uh, so what's your other joint number two? So and you probably you lots of people probably heard this, but Turnbury, Turnbury yeah. Elsa is we we went up a few months ago and again. John, um, Phil Tasker, and sort of he had a, I think he had a um, trip planned with your golf traveling, but yeah, COVID. I played, um, I played with uh, Russ and John, sorry, Russ and Phil the night before at uh, Glasgow Gales. So I, that was the first time I'd met the two of them. We had a great yeah. round there, but you guys had uh, Turnberry Elsa, the yeah, so we had the Elsa, you got amazing, amazing weather for it. It was. Honestly, and I think that's probably again what made the experience is the weather was ridiculous. What was it? it was, in, was it in October? And it was like 15 degrees with no wind in no, October the, in Scotland. The wind, was, the wind was switched. So it was 
obviously it wasn't it wasn't the way it was built for so it was helping pretty much on all the tough holes um albeit the last i think the last three won the 16 17 18 that play into that strong wind that it switched back around and played into it so you got sort of a good experience for playing into those but i mean we were in yeah october shorts shorts and t-shirt it was ridiculous but i think for me the the turnbury is the whole setup the we stayed in the like the five star resort uh, had three course meal had a had a Go on the what the crap little eighteen old chipping thing down the bottom. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the the actual chipping area was closed because of COVID. But my only qualm with Turnbury, and I don't know if people would sort of agree with this, is you only have you only have five minutes on the range, or you, you, you turn oh, really? up, you can only turn you have to turn up to your range. I think it's fifteen minutes before your tee time. It's it's to stop all that because it's obviously so busy. People just hog the range for hours because yeah. it's free balls. So, that, but. From the range to the Elsa, it's a good ten-minute walk. Yeah, it's a good shift across. We we made the mistake of um, going to the range, having our allocated time of hitting balls, got to the tee, and we had to tee off. So we, we didn't have a put on the, the greens. We had no idea what they were like. Yeah. And um, um, again, we we hit a good drive down the first, um, hit the green, and I th- I ended up three putting. It wasn't. I was probably only 15, 20 foot away, just because we just didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Well, do you mean they were quicker, quicker than they thought, or slower than you thought? They were, they were quicker than I thought. I thought they'd, I thought they'd leave them pretty, pretty long and slow just because of the wind. But it, they, they rolled so pure. They're probably the best greens I've put in on. I reckon. Yeah. I played it in the early November this year, and it was probably running at about a ten. Like they were yeah. fast and very true. But like as you said, it's the full experience down there. Like you can, you can say whatever you want morally about the owner uh, and whatever else, but you know the way the way I see it is this is you know Scottish people working in the jobs down there um, yeah, it, it, and working you know working hard for the decent job and they make the experience great. Sometimes you can get that bit of snobbery or snootery when you get into uh, certain golf courses, but dead welcoming, dead friendly. Uh, the food's great down there as well. As you, you said, you were up at the hotel. We were at a charity thing up at the hotel. Had the three course meal and everything like that. And it's just like you, you yeah. feel like Billy Big Boy for a couple of hours. Uh, you just you, you feel like the shit for a few hours, and then you go out to the golf course and it kicks your head. in regardless, I think I think to add to the whole experiences, we we managed to play um, King Robert the Bruce the next day. And if that was anywhere else in the world, it it would easily be. 100% it, it would be up there because yeah. it's a proper proper golf course and see it's that so little from 7 through 11 when it takes you out to the water and you get yeah. 4 or 5 holes that are probably arguably just as good as any stretch in the Ilsa as well for that yeah. 4 or 5 holes you get no definitely and because it, it's it's all go, it's gorse lined it's completely different so you miss the fairway and you're in the gorse that's it it's game over um, but yeah it's Special, special place. I think I'll definitely go back. It's just pricey. Well, I think we paid three eighty for the two rounds. Um, yeah, but even see if, if you're just rocking up, um, your normal tea time is three seven five per person. Yeah. Uh, so there, there are deals all the time, especially with yeah. COVID and stuff. You get a deal. We got into the Robert the Bruce for fifty quid um, yeah, last month, and unbelievable value. insane value. As you said, if that course was anywhere else in the world, it would be its own standalone um, heavyweight. But because it's beside the Elsa, but the, the rack rate on uh, the uh, Turnberry and the Elsa, I think, is the highest rack rate golf round in the UK. Yeah, uh, highest in the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, not not including things like Ardfin, where you've got to pay fifteen hundred quid for a you know, membership for a day, and you can only do it once in your life. And, but actually, just a standard like 
But it's funny when you say that because our uh, handful of American listeners might be thinking three seven five isn't that bad because they're so used to paying that sort of price yeah, out yeah. there for places like Pebble or whatever else. But yeah, three seven five is crazy prices. So we've been to Afghanistan, we've been to Abroth, we've been to Thailand, we've been to Portugal, um, we've been to Brunei. Where on earth is number one for Joe Smith? So. Number one is again, it's got it's got a bit of a backstory behind it, but it's Wolf Creek in um, out in America, just north of Las Vegas. Is that um, is that the Paiute course? It was a Paiute, or is that or was that was a different one? No, nah, no. Nah, so there's a Paiute Wolf Creek course as well, just north of Vegas. But okay, just I Wolf mean, Creek. it might be. I'm not too sure. Um, it's I just remember it from the days when I used to play PGA Tiger, Tiger Woods and Wolf Creek was. <laughs> Have you, actually, just to confirm, have you played this course or is this just like your favourite PlayStation <laughs> course? <laughs> no, I've got recommended it and uh, so it, it sort of ties back in um, when I was I was away deployed uh, and we we sort of we were away for six, seven months and we wanted to get back place golf somewhere and we were going out um, doing some training in in Vegas funny enough so we did did 14 day package uh, it was penciled in as mountaineering slash boozing um, <laughs> On the taxpayer, thanks very much, John Ashad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we went summer mountaineering, I think it was, and we spent 14 days in Vegas. It was absolute carnage. Uh, so just just look at the website now for Wolf Creek, man. That place looks insane. It's on it. No, no like... It's it's ridiculous. It's they've got. I think they've got watering rights in the in the Grand Canyon, um, and the fairways are so green, so lush. But it's it's all about the elevation change. Some holes you're teeing you're teeing off from. I don't even. I don't even know. Maybe 150, 200 foot above the fairway. It literally looks like a PlayStation game. Yeah, yeah like the real life pictures of it looks nuts. like a video game. It's a nuts place. But again, the whole so the whole experience, sort of the backstory behind it. It, it was Afghan we were in, and um, I was emailing the. Uh, I emailed the woman at the pro shop, or it was a woman at the time, uh, asking about tea times and uh, potentially getting to play. It was mid mid August. She emailed back. She's like, "Yeah, no problem. How many of you is there?" Went through the old rigmarole. She was like, "It's buggies only, just because of the train." You have to, you can't walk it. It's physically not impossible, but you'd be there all day. Um, and then she was, "What time do you want to play?" And I was like, "Probably about midday. Get us, get us time to get up there." And she, she was like, "Midday." She was like, "You want to play Wolf Creek, north of Vegas, in summer at midday?" Well, I was going to say, "Is it the summer? When were you there?" Yeah. And we'd sort of we were pretty accustomed to the heat at that point, but bloody hell, this was hot. Um, there was a, there was water hole every 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 tee box. Um, and it, I think we got to about 14 holes and we were absolutely drained, like drained. So perfect time to, uh, to walk off 14 holes, perfect amount of number of holes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not, again, not overly like, um, an amazingly well sort of designed course. Like you're all, I'm not into you McKenzie's and Doke or whoever it is, like all, all sort of reading in between that, but it's just, it was just a special place. Um, and again, fourteen days in Vegas sort of top top the experience with it. So and was it how far like it was about like an hour north of Vegas? How far away? It's an hour it? and a half. It was ninety miles. Um but on that I can't remember what the freeway is, but it's, it's basically it goes from Vegas straight to golf course yeah. pretty much. And um was it like super expensive? Because obviously in America sometimes they can be crazy expensive ah, so, as well, of course. So that's the catch. It was ten dollars. What? Yeah, because there was no one on the course. Because it was so hot and we were playing midday, she was just literally like, I have to ring it through. So just call it $10. That was it. Really? That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nuts, mate, honestly. 
So we've had Bangkok, Las Vegas, and Bali. And I think that there's definitely, there's another podcast in there somewhere which has nothing to do with golf, but <laughs> try and keep this golf related. Joe, that was probably the most unique and interesting uh, Flock 5 and uh, Meet the Flock that we're going to have. Uh, I think we've probably peaked there. Usually at this time, we'd have a quick break and come back and cover a bunch of other stuff. I think we've been talking for about an hour already, Crawford, so maybe that... 2020 retrospective and 2021 look ahead can wait until next week um what i do want to do though before we go crawford is i received uh, a dm from ryan uh ryan our friend at the slightly more professional but slightly less funny off the deck podcast uh off the decks another podcast run by two flockers ryan and uh, ben swantonbaum um named after Jeff Hardy's finishing manoeuvre from the wrestling. Now, Ryan got in touch with me and uh, Crawford, he was talking shit. He was talking shit about you. He was talking shit about Rob. Oh, really? They they were trying to lay the verbal smackdown uh, on our candy asses. What the the challenge was, was um, that Ryan um, is off like 16 or something like that. I don't know. He's a jabroni. But uh, Ben Swanton... (laughs) Uh, is a Category 1 golfer who's never broken par. Now, I'm a Category 1 golfer who's never broken par, and Rob is a Category 1 golfer who's never broken par. Much like Ryan Crawford, you are a golfing jabroni, and uh, you're off 16, 17. 15, what, thank you very much. <laughs> and what that challenge was, was um, Podcast Wars going into the next year to decide or to see if all three members of each podcast team, and I'll say three members, I'll get to that in a little bit on the off the deck side, but the three members of our team, can the three of us either break par or in your case, break 80 before the three of them can break par or in Ryan's case, break 80. So I'll tell you what I'll say, Gary, you said that it's going to be podcast wars. It's not podcast wars. It's a podcast route. We're going to have them. We'll have it done by January. Don't even want to know why they're trying. I think the amount of Crawford players... He, he should be breaking eighty soon. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing. I think we do we do need to iron out some of the intricacies of this. But the basic challenge is this: me, Rob, and Crawford will break par, or in Crawford's case, break eighty. So me and Rob will break par, and Crawford will break eighty uh, before any of Ryan, Ben, and their third man. And they've called in a third man. And for any of the wrestling fans out there, this is. In 1996, WCW, the New World Order has just formed. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall have got their men, and the third man's making his way down the ring. It's not Hulk Hogan in this case. It's Matt Wabe. So Matt Wabe, uh, who you may remember from this podcast and from the flock, is also a Category 1 handicapper who's never broken par. So on each side, you've got three men, two of which are Category 1 handicappers. The other one uh, is off between 15 and 17 None of us have broken par, and Crawford and Ryan have very, very rarely broken eight. So the challenge is they're going into 2021. Which team will be able to hit that target first? The two cat ones breaking par, and the uh, larger handicapped gentleman breaking 80. Crawford, do you accept this heinous, this disrespectful, and uh, this damn, damn insulting challenge uh, from these Jabronskis? I very much accept this challenge. <laughs> I think it's it, it it's it's just it, it's rude and uh, and it's disrespectful, uh, and we shall have to teach them a lesson. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a thread on the clubhouse 
outlining what we think the rules are going to be for this, how we're going to set it out, and um, basically just writing in great, great detail how uh, we're going to embarrass the three schmucks over at the Off The Deck podcast. <laughs> we'll um, keep up to date with it through the year. I've, I'm deep in the process right now, Crawford. I know I've put it in the group. I'm deep in the swing change process. I'm coming in hot uh, to 2021, hotter than an apple pie that's been left in the microwave for too long. It's an Alan Partridge reference in there uh, for all the AP fans. But I'm going to break par this year. Uh, I absolutely guarantee it. Uh, I'm going to take that birdie ball, I'm going to shine it up real nice, turn that bitch sideways and stick it straight up Ben Swanton's candy ass. So it's up to you, Crawford, and to Rob, who'll be back with us next week to keep up their end of the bargains. Have you got uh, it? I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Gary. Between now and the 1st of January, I'm going to religiously research all of the par 66s and par 67 <laughs> courses around the southeast of England. <laughs> So we're going to make a we're going to make a thread about this on the clubhouse. We're going to track it as the year goes on. We'll maybe get in contact with John, see if we can maybe run a tote if anybody wants to have a little flutter on who will be the first person to hit their target, um, or which team, if any, will hit all three uh, of their teammates hitting that target of breaking par or breaking eighty. This will start off on the first of January. Joe, what's your predictions? I mean, I've never played with Gary uh, or Rob. I've played with Ben and Matt Wave, and they're both very capable, I think. Um, and I've seen you swing up the range, Gary, and I'm very impressed. So Thanks. I appreciate that. I'm getting um, I think it'll be pretty tight, to be honest. It's going to be tighter set... than a mouse's waistcoat. But... Yeah, you do need to set some ground rules, though. How many times you can play. It's got to be a 72, I don't know. Thrash them out. We'll sort something else out with that, but, you know, I'm too angry. I'm too incensed. I'm too personally <laughs> insulted to even think straight at the moment. I just want to get out there. Um, that these schmucks, uh, that these backstabbers, that these unappreciative goon squad of Off The Deck podcast will not sully, will not disrespect the good name of the RACDG podcast. So I'm accepting the challenge straight away. Why are not the details from there? But that's something to look forward to in 2021. The glory, Crawford, the absolute glory of taking home the very first Pod Wars title. Yeah. You, um, it might be worth uh, maybe freshening out some rules just so it doesn't turn into mega bonus, uh, and no one knows what mega bonus is, and and now everyone's moaning about the uh, the rules. I just said I was angry, Joe. I just said I was angry. Just wanted you up now. Don't incense me any further. Um, ah, look, no comment, uh, no comment. But look, this is going to be a lot of fun uh, going into next year. Just one of the many, many things on the clubhouse and within the group that we're going to set up going into 2021 to make things more interactive. Loads more events, loads more stuff that everybody can get involved in. This will be a lot of fun. We're calling it Going Under um, just so we can use this song. If I've got a chance to use an Evanescence song and anything off related, then I'm going to do it. Um, but that's the main thing uh, that we want to cover going into 2021. We were going to look at some 2021 predictions and stuff like that. Do you know what? I think we've got absolutely loads of great content in the bag from Joe tonight. Uh, and I think everybody will be more interested in hearing that. So I think that's where we're going to wrap things up. We've not got anything from Aaron because there's uh, nothing happening in professional golf this week, apparently. I, I've not really been paying attention myself. But other than that, Crawford... I don't think there's anything, any oh, there's professional nothing for golf a fortnight or something. until January, I think, isn't it? Ah, the pros are part-timers. Not like you, Crawford. What have you got planned for the next week? Well, I was supposed to be playing tomorrow with West Hill again, but it's been cancelled while I've been doing the, doing the podcast. 
um, some of some scummy people that aren't flockers are not as dedicated to their winter golf as we are. Uh, and, uh, and then we've got the Christmas carnage on Monday. And then I'm, I think I'm playing in Woodall Spire next Thursday with um, uh, Junior and some other boys. Ah, it's a pretty quiet week then. What about you, Joe? Um, golfing tomorrow with John and a couple of his Betfair guys. Thursday with Jacko. Um, and then Christmas carnage. Well, in fact, quiz Thursday night. Christmas yes. carnage on Monday. I don't want to make you all jealous. Uh, I know you've outlined some good golf there, but me and Grant are going up to the range again tomorrow night. Uh, so you're going to have a good time there. Get those Cali blades out, Grant. We're ready to rock. Um, but other than that, guys, thank you both for joining us, Joe. That was something else. I really enjoyed that. Crawford, that was the most restrained and professional I've ever heard you on a podcast. I appreciate that. I'm trying really hard, Gary. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> Everybody I've got the let... stuff on your, mi- your microphone and everything. I thought I might have to, you know, look like a professional. Look, see, after, like one. after episode three. It's mad, though. For those who can't see, Crawford has actually got a microphone. <laughs> oh, because for yeah, the first I mean, seven it, weeks, it, he's it, been sitting with his uh, iPhone headphones. And if you've been listening to this from week one and you can hear like this little... Russell, 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 every time Crawford speaks, it's the fucking microphone crispling in his beard with other bits of food and pastry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they, they insisted I had to buy a microphone, so I bought myself a, a £12 eBay Amazon special. And that's nice. where your annual fee goes, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start that. And on that note, thank you all very much for listening this week, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll be looking back at 2020, forward at 2021. Got a few fun things lined up for Christmas as well. Uh, but apart from that, hope you enjoyed this week's show and we'll speak to you all again very soon. So from me, from Joe. See, you're meant to say something really snappy there. Like, oh, all right, no, I'm not a snappy guy, mate. But no, and been- from Crawford. Sayonara. And producer Mark. We'll catch you all again very soon. Bye-bye. Oh, I think some, a couple of Ryder Cup matches I had, I, I was always very nervous in Ryder Cups. I didn't start off doing too well, but then I, 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 I became, I suppose, more used to it, less afraid. And I had a very good Ryder Cup record at the end of the day. Matches against Arnold Palmer, which was, were terrific. And, uh, you know, the big boys of the day, I enjoyed that. A couple of victories, winning three Open Championships in the space of three weeks. Italy, Spain and Portugal, never be, never, never be done again because they don't play those events together now. That was 1958. Moments in golf and then, of course, uh, getting married, having children, paying off your mortgage, all sorts of things that become important in your life as years go by.